Hey, my name's Derek. Um, I'm going to put this on the ground because otherwise I'll spill it. So uh, let me get that open. Oh, God bless America. Yeah, my dad's name is Ed. And um, yeah, he's an awesome guy. But when I was growing up, um, he, we're built kind of the same way, but he was in the military. So he was always in really, really good shape and always lifting weights. And growing up, all my friends were like terrified of him absolutely terrified. But then right around my 17th birthday, he became like the coolest guy ever. Um, and I'm just going to leave it at that. I want to tell you why I think he's cool. There you go. No, um, yeah, my name's Derek. Um, I, I grew up at Rocky Peak. Okay. I moved here when I was 12, not to this church, but I moved to see me. And, um, man, oh, it's crazy. It's so weird. Uh, so I went on houseboat camp 2014. I got to stay with, yeah. So I stayed with the senior guys. I apologize if I don't, if I met you then and I don't remember you now. I'm sorry. Uh, but some of you I've known forever, right? So um, uh, the Arquitas is. So Mario was there when I was like 10 years ago when I was a junior high intern for wildlife. And he was there Saturday nights. And his little brother Vince would just like, nah, and like run in. Um, he'd run in and do some stuff. And, um, and, and we were on the boat last year together, or two years ago, whatever it was, a year and a half ago. So awesome. Anyway, so I'm, I'm Rocky Peak through and through. Um, yeah, so what else do you know, want to know about me? Yeah, I've known Waz for a long time. Um, I've sat, kicked over, loaded, um, cleaned up probably every single chair in this room uh, at some point or another. That's how long I've been at Rocky Peak. Um, and that's a beautiful thing. Um, and then, yeah, I, I guess what, what else do you want to know about me? I, I, let's do this. This is, this is the oldest trick in the book. I'll take three questions. I usually do this with like high school groups, but I'll do it with you guys too. So you guys get, if anybody have any question for me, you can raise your hand and I will answer it. Thank you. There we go. There's always one. Soda? I like Mountain Dew. Okay, next. Yes, there we go. At Rocky Peak? I have a lot. I'm not going to say them. This is being uh, podcasted. Okay. Yeah, I have a lot. I've, I've put, my, put my mouth a lot at this church. A lot of grace here. Okay, one last question. These are good questions. I'm, I'm sorry. No, I didn't answer. Go ahead. Oh, great. Okay, so this is great. Parents are terrified when I tell them this story. We met when we were 15 years old going to church camp on summer camp. Back when we were, we were in high school ministry together. She denied my advances for a long time. And then um, she was a hot item at summer camp. I'm looking at her right now. She's awesome. And, um, and then a few months later, we went to winter camp. And that was like my big kind of turnaround moment when I was in high school. Um, kind of grew up Christian. But then um, my junior year, was our junior year? Okay, junior year of high school, went to winter camp. Any, and just show of hands, who's gone to the, like, who's been, in, who grew up going to the high school ministry here at Rocky Peak? Oh, God bless you. And who are just SOMA people that are just like, hey, I just came recently, or just SOMA? Okay, you guys are awesome. God bless you guys. And then, and then who's been here? Uh, I'll say wildlife or before, raise your hand. Oh, we love you. And um, that strange little man running, dripping wet with something, we don't know, but he's still the, the icon as he was when I was 12. Anyway, so we met, we met at camp. And um, we dated forever, and we got married. So she got married when we were 23, so dated for six years. We just celebrated eight years together. She, and then, um, no, don't clap for that. Clap for this. And she's actually pregnant right now. And so, I know, it's awesome. It's an instant buy-in. I love it. And um, we're going to have a little girl end of April, and no, we don't have a name picked out, and God bless you for that. But anyway, so grew up at Rocky Peak. Um, and... Uh, Man, I've known Waz for a while. I talked to him about speaking to you guys tonight, um, and he gave me the opportunity to be here. And, um, 
And he said, hey, here, I'm going to give you a passage out of Daniel. It's, it's like four verses, okay? And you're like, all right, seems easy enough. Um, but as I thought and prayed about it, what really uh, was put on my heart by God and what I really felt like, man, you know what you need to share with, uh, with the college students is um, just how you felt when you were in college. So I grew up here, did the whole thing. And I'm going to be honest with you guys, as I got into college, um, a sense of loneliness kind of came over my life, okay? Um, I remember uh, sitting in class at CSUN or Moore Park and um, uh, even being here at church. Um, I remember being at home and just feeling terribly lonely. And not in the sense, I had, I had great friends, um, had an awesome girlfriend, the whole thing. Um, but it was just a sense of like, man, I don't feel God in my life like I used to. I don't feel like he's there. It, almost like he'd abandoned me in a sense. I kind of felt that way. Um, and I don't, I don't know if this is true for you guys. Maybe, um, maybe you're going to school right now and you're sitting in your class. And if you, um, if you're going to CSUN, there's like 40,000 students that go there. And the, the fact of the matter is you're probably the only Christian in your classroom. If you're at CSUN, there may be one other person and that's it. Feels like God is absent. Um, some of you have already started working and you, and you know that God feels absent at your workplace because everybody there lies and steals and cheats or they don't, they, they flub and, and uh, fudge the numbers and tell fibs to get ahead and they backstab each other constantly and the things they do after work are not something you want to show up on your Instagram feed. <clears throat> anyway, and something you shouldn't be a part of. Yeah, you in the, in the red sweatshirt. I'm just kidding, I don't know you. I love you. <laughs> You're wise. That's good. Future employers will look at that. Anyway, so with that said, uh, and then for some of you, you might go home tonight after SOMA and you're like, man, that was an awesome college group. Oh, I love my church. God is good. And you'll go and you'll be a part of a home group later this week. Some of you might be serving in wildlife. God bless you. You're my favorites. And um, there we go. And um, you might be serving in wildlife and uh, your parents are like, uh, you're never home. Why do you hate us? And you're like, I'm serving at church. You brought me to this church, mom. Yeah, we just wanted you to go so you wouldn't be a bad kid. They don't ever say that, but that's really what they wanted. And so, and so you're, you're never here. Where have you been? And you're like, why are you an enemy of what God's trying to do in my life? Some of you, maybe even this, this was my story, so this might be yours too. You feel like, man, I'm, I feel like I'm called to vocational ministry. I want to make my bread. I want to make my paycheck working at a church as a pastor guy. Um, and you're like, mom, dad, I have this great idea. And there's this old saying, there's this old saying, that the greatest enemy of the great commission is Christian parents, okay? And what that means is this. Literally, they're like, man, what I want for my kid, I want them to grow up and be really good so they don't make mistakes. And ladies, you don't bring a doofus home, right? They won't date ever. And then they'll meet a really nice young man who grew up in church as well. And he, but he doesn't want to be a pastor because pastors don't make any money. And he's going, to be, he's going to be an investment banker, but he'll never cheat on her and he'll never cuss and he'll be the nicest young man ever. That's like their some of your, okay, maybe I'm talking about my parents, but your parents maybe are different, but that's, all. has anybody ever experienced this where maybe family is not the safest place for your faith? So we feel alone in our faith, almost like God has abandoned us. And in a sense, that is what Daniel felt in the book of Daniel. That's what Daniel and the other Israelites felt when they were in exile. So the question we have tonight as we look at our passage is this, and you can look at a slide, I think. Slides are awesome. Yes! So here it is, the first fill-in. So why remain faithful to God when it feels like he's abandoned us? You know, why remain faithful to a God who feels like he's absent? The way I look at it is this. Um, I imagine, um, and this is not a theological concept, this is just a, a dumb illustration, but imagine you woke up tomorrow morning, and imagine if you, with me, if you will, you're still living at home. Um, I lived at home for a long time while I was in college. So you wake up, mm, Ooh, Monday morning. All right. No classes on Monday because I'm smart. All right. So you've, you've planned your, your schedule accordingly. You get up and you're like, 
okay, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go eat a bowl of Wheaties or whatever the heck you do in the morning. Or, um, you know, you probably had your quiet time at 4.30. Probably not. You're looking at YouTube on your phone or something. But you go downstairs and, um, and nobody's there. Okay, nobody's there. And mom and dad aren't there. A little sister's not there. Your little dog, Skippy. My little dog, Skippy, isn't there. And great little JRT. He's no longer with us. I'm sorry. Bye, Skippy. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. But anyway, you, you're not there. And you're like, what the heck? And you're, so you, okay, I guess they're not here. You eat all the food in the fridge. A couple days go by. It's still nothing. You're texting, calling, nothing. They won't get back to you. And you're like, man, this is bad. You start to worry. You run out of food. You go to the store. So worried. Stress eating because you're so worried. Food's gone. Get to Ralph's. Trader Joe's even. Forget Ralph's. Do you work there? It's great too. I'll pray for Ralph. Um, <laughs> so you go to Ralph's, Trader Joe's, whatever. And you go and you're getting some food and you see your neighbor there and they're like, oh, did you come home early from the vacation? I mean, what a vacation. Oh, your family went to the Bahamas and they took the dog and your little sister. You're like, they went to the Bahamas with the little sister and the dog? Without me. And, and then you realize that you feel a rage you've never really felt before. And in fact, you feel, you, feel, you feel put off, a little snubbed even. What the heck? I feel abandoned, okay? See where this is going? And you realize, well, what the heck? What am I going to do? And so your parents set all these house rules. You're like, I'm not doing any house rules. I'm going to find mom and dad's secret credit card. I'm going to freaking crank that thing up. And everybody's coming over every single night. It's going to get insane, okay? This somebody, oh, don't give me an amen on that. That's bad. So check it out, check it out. That's how they felt, right? Why should we remain faithful to God if God just took us and went, here you go, you know? Um, it's like Lemony, have you ever seen uh, Lemony Snicket's uh, series of unfortunate events? Okay, it's like that, except if the parents are still alive, and they're like, no, just live with Jim Carrey. And they're like, mom and I hate mom and dad, right? So in the same sense, what we can find in our hearts is that, man, we feel abandoned by God. Why remain faithful? Why remain faithful? That's our question tonight. Um, we're going to quickly read through uh, Daniel chapter 2, so get a Bible if you got it. And um, the reason we're going we're gonna to focus, my, my part time is only four verses. We're going to quickly read through, and I, it's not going on the screen, so apologies if you don't have something to read. But um, we're going to read through Daniel chapter 2, verses 1 through 18. Uh, pretty quickly, just to catch us up on the story. And if you don't know anything about Daniel, it's really simple. A guy named Daniel uh, wrote this book named Daniel. But uh, no, the Israelite people, God's people, are taken into captivity by the Babylonians. And it would be a lot like if ISIS came and captured all the AP students and all the valedictorians and took them off and, uh, and made them train in the Koran. Okay, that's like a simple, you, you understand it here? So they took the best and the, bri- the best and the brightest. The Babylonians were trying to, like, kind of in a sense, commit cultural genocide. To take all the best, the best and brightest, the thinkers, the doers, the people who were going to change, you know, Israelite culture, you know, uh, the Steve Jobses, if you will. And they were going to take them and train them in the ways of their uh, culture and their religion. And that's what they did. So we find Daniel and his three friends are the main characters in the book of Daniel. And uh, the way I like to look at the book of Daniel as a whole, actually, is like a Netflix series that you binge watch. And because every single chapter is like an episode, okay? We're going to look at part of an episode today. And it's going to be awesome. But let's real quickly, we're just going to read through chapter 2, verses 1 through 18. It says this, In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar, that's the king, had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I have had a dream that troubles me and I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. 
Tell your servants a dream and we will interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into tiny little pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. Verse 7. Once more they replied, let the king tell his servants the dream and we will interpret it. Then the king answered, I am certain that you are trying to gain time because you realize that this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me the dream, there is just one penalty for you. Chop, chop. You have conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. So then tell me the dream and I will know that you can interpret it for me. The astrologers answered the king, there is not a man on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among men. This made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death, and the men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. He asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went into the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Stop right there. We'll get to the next part soon. So do you get the scene here? Get the scene. They're in a situation where it feels like God has completely abandoned them. The king is a megalomaniac. He's like, uh, uh, oh man, be careful. Okay, um, it's like your dad or your mom or your stepdad, your stepmom that you just don't get along with ever, no matter how hard you try. And you're like, okay, I had a great quiet time this morning. I had a cup of coffee. I called a friend. I know exactly what I'm going to say. And you go talk to them. And like, you're like, hey. And all of a sudden, they're just like, so you didn't do. And you're like, rage, right? Okay. <laughs> But imagine, instead of it just being your mom, your stepdad, or your boss, or whatever, it's Nebuchadnezzar who thinks he's chosen of the gods and will cut you into little pieces and blow your house down like the big bad wolf. Watch out, Vince. Anyway. In fact, if you look at um, archaeological digs, you'll see that the, the chief god, the god of the sky of the Babylonians, Marduk, There'll be a statue of him, and in the statue there will be an eye, and the eye will be made of stone, and on that eye will be the face of Nebuchadnezzar the king. Literally, he thinks he is um, the best and the greatest, not because he's earned it, but simply because, well, Marduk must choose well because I'm so awesome. And you see, the other thing you've got to understand, too, uh, before we get into uh, the next section of our scripture tonight is this. Marduk was the king, um, the king of the gods of the Babylonians. He was the chief sky deity. If you look and you study and you go to college, I hope most of you do. If you go to college and you study world religions, you'll see a couple things that always transcend. And one of them is this. Usually, the best and biggest god and baddest god of them all, the king of them all, is the sky god. So like Zeus, right? He throws what? I was going to say thunderbolt, but that's not a real thing. Lightning bolt, thank you. Um, Thunder is sound. So he's the sky god, and here's the thing. They would have considered him the, the god of the heavens, the lord of the heavens, all right? Because um, the, the sky does this uh, magical thing where there's rain clouds that send water down, and there's also a sun, and you put the sun and the rain together, and there's an itsy-bitsy spider, but there's also crops that grow, okay? And crops 
are good. Why are crops good? Good. Crops give food. They give food for you and me and also food for tasty animals. Very good. I heard somebody say tasty animals. <laughs> so the, the chief sky god is the one you don't want to um, uh, uh, get on the bad side of. Recorded. You don't want to mess with the sky god, right? And, and you got to understand, Nebuchadnezzar is he's a megalomaniac. He, is, he thinks he's the best and he will just crush you and cut you to little pieces simply because you don't guess his dream. Okay? He has all the power. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. Daniel and his friends, despite this, we're going to get crushed. Oh, geez. And in a culture that doesn't honor God, a culture that ignores God, the real God, the God of the Bible, the one we worship, right? In that culture, they decide to be faithful to God and they pray. And guess what happens? God answers the prayer. And it's awesome. It is. And so next slide. Let's take a look. Says this. So why remain faithful to God uh, when it feels like He's abandoned us? Because of this. Because God is faithful to provide what we need exactly when we need it. And this should be recap for all you guys, by the way. But this is this is the tension of the story. I want you to feel it a little bit. I want you to be like in it, like you are in like I don't even know. Uh, what's the last show we started watching? Prison Break. Okay. Yes! Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I've been a youth pastor a long time. I usually with like junior hires and I do a lot more punch dancing when I'm with them. So I'm trying to keep it like in the box right now. So yeah, so prison break, you're like, oh, are they going to get out of this? And so that's, and if, if the tension, the story ver- veered off and they were like, let's, uh, let's look at prison breaks, brothers, grandma and, and rest. You're like, who cares? Right. But you want to know like, what's the payoff? Okay. That's why we got back into this tension of the story. So let's look at, uh, we're going to look at verse 19. So Look with me. Chapter 2, verse 19. And we're going to see the, the resolution of our story. See how God provides exactly what they need, exactly when they need it. It's this. It says this. Um, During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. And he said this. Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and deposes them. He has wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in the darkness and light dwells with him. Verse 23. I thank and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you. You have made, you have made known to us the dream of the king. So we see this. In Daniel's story, the thing that was going to save their lives, literally save their lives, was to know the dream and how to understand the dream. And God provides in just the nick of time just what they need. Daniel stays faithful even when it seems like God is not faithful. And God is faithful to provide. Do you see this? It's awesome. It's a good truth. Another way I like to look at it is this, and we can look at another, another slide. Sometimes it feels this way. Oh, good transition. Okay, go ahead. Uh, sometimes it feels this way. God is absent in our faithless world. It feels that way. It really does. Nobody loves God. Nobody honors God. You just feel alone, and you feel down. Even, and, and also, some of you are right now are like, well, I know he's, he's always there, Derek. God is omnipresent. And some, other you, some others of you are like, I've studied about the Holy Spirit, and I know that God's Spirit lives within me when I become a Christian. But we're talking about feelings right now, my man, and it feels this way, right? Here's the deal. What's what's the fact, though? Let's look at the next slide. The fact is this. God is active in our faithless world through our faithfulness. God is active in our faithless world through our faithfulness. 
So what I want to encourage you guys with tonight is this. In those areas where you feel alone and you feel like God is not there and God's not in it and you just feel like that sense of (sighs) remain faithful, remain faithful. It's really that simple. So when you're at school, when you're at school, um, and this is my experience. I don't know what it's like for you all, but uh, in my experience, you know, you go in and there's, uh, there's not Nebuchadnezzar, but there is a junior college professor who just thinks he's got, he's got the proof to end Christianity and it's a problem of evil, right? And I don't know if you've ever seen this before. Uh, if you haven't taken a philosophy class, you owe yourself that wonderful pleasure of going and suffering for a semester. I'm just kidding, Was. Philosophy's awesome. Where are you? There you are. Beautiful. No, but you should go take some philosophy. But you're going to have that professor who's just, they don't even want to dis, disassemble all religions. You can just tell they have a special spot in their heart, um, in their cold black heart, Sorry, Lord. For, um, for taking down the Christian God. They just want to, you are an idiot if you believe that. You're an absolute idiot. And guess what? Everyone else in the room is like, yeah, backwards. They hate people. Christians are terrible. And you're like, meow. What I would say is this, remain faithful, remain faithful. If appropriate, and some of you are going to be gifted in this, and some of you will not be. Some of you will be able to do this. You'll be able to, to raise your hand and say, you know, I actually disagree. And if you feel God stirring your heart to do that, remain faithful to do that. Some of you, however, what I would say is this, what I would say is this. You owe it to yourself to get educated, get learned, go read a book, <laughs> Google it, get on Amazon. I'll, I'm not going to lie to you, the problem of evil it's been solved. It's like, it's not a philosophical question for a Christian. It is an emotional question, and that's actually the hard part, but it's been solved. Can I just throw that out to you? Like, wait, it has? Yes. You wouldn't know it from going to your school, but it has. Google it, all right? Be faithful with your school. At work, at work. This happens all the time. Um, you guys working? Anybody working full-time yet? Yeah, all right. So, yeah, work is a, um, a wonderful thing that God invented that just went terribly wrong as soon as Adam and Eve messed it all up in the garden, all right? So here's the deal. Here's the deal. Work is super hard. Remain faithful at work. And you remain faithful at work uh, a couple different ways. One, you don't, uh, you don't compromise your own values, okay? Everybody's going to, like, literally, everyone's going to be fudging the truth and lying to get ahead all the time, all the time. Um, the other thing they're going to do is they're going to just constantly gossip about one another and constantly tear down their bosses and each other. Yes, you've seen this. All right. You may have been a part of it. Okay, you can change. Repentance. But here's the deal. Remain faithful. And don't be a part of the gossip. Remain faithful. Even when you're going to look so bad and your numbers are going to suffer, do not lie to get ahead. Do not lie to get ahead. Um, I worked at a California pizza kitchen for years. Years and years. And I thought I left. I've left California pizza kitchen three times. I may go back a fourth. Very soon. I'm not even kidding. And every time I was like, I'm out of here. These people, whatever. And I, I love the restaurant. It was like super fun to work there. But there were people constantly who would game the system to make their sales look really good. Um, and they would, and then like, it would be little lies. Like, oh, no, 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 that's not my table. That's so-and-so's table. And it's like, no, no, that was, that was your table. You're making me look terrible right now. But it's that kind of stuff. Remain faithful. Don't, don't cave in that kind of stuff. The other thing is this, um, and this is maybe the hardest one. This is the one that hits you in the feels. Home life. When it feels like everyone in your house is either an enemy of God's call on your life or they are ambivalent, they don't care, they think it's irrelevant, um, man, it's hard. What, what I can say is this, what I can say is this. Um, remember, remember that God's there with you. And remember how he provided for Daniel in those moments. Um, I would say uh, 
maybe, maybe pick out one good friend that you can lean on, that you can talk to about this stuff. And that's going to help you work through it and point you to some resolution and not just go, yeah, your mom sucks. Oh, you, you feel me here? Um, some of you might be time to move out. I'm just going to be honest. You're going to good luck with that. It's extremely expensive, which you all already know. But, um, but in your home life, in your home life, when it feels like everyone's against you, remember that God is, is faithful in that, even though it feels like he's not. So remain faithful. Uh, when your mom cusses you out, just leave. Don't, don't even talk back because anything you say is not going to be good. <clears throat> oh, maybe that, I, I'm not talking about my mom. I've just heard of some moms doing this before. All right. You all have awesome parents, I'm sure. A couple last things before we head on out. Um, let's look at our next slide here. Awesome. Oh, Yeah. Nice. Yeah, so just like we were talking about before, is where does God feel like he's absent in your life? And so um, if you've been going Sunday mornings to the priorities thing, uh, this might be a box you work on. Where does he feel absent? And take some time and think about it and make a game plan. Like, kind of like what you just talked about. Next slide. Awesome. All right, here we go. Now connecting it to praise, all right? Because you'll see something happen in the passage with Daniel. Daniel prayed, God answered Daniel praises God. He literally sings a song. It's indented in my Bible. It's a psalm. It's a, it's a rhyme. It's a poem. It's a song. You probably sang it. I didn't sing it. <clears throat> Daniel focuses on the provision and the power of our great God. Now, another way to say that, and you might want to write this on your note sheet, is this. God, uh, Daniel simply focused on the truth of who God is. Daniel focused on the truth of who God is. Oh, man, you guys are awesome. I just want to say that right now. It's awesome being back here. Sorry. I just had a really cool moment. It's cool being here. All right. Um, and then next, next slide here. It says this. Praise connects our head and our heart. Okay? So here's Daniel. He sings his psalm because he's so overwhelmed by what God has done. He's answered a prayer. And he's, he's saved just in the nick of time. Something happens when we, we worship. And something happens when we praise and we sing. And we're going to sing a couple songs later tonight. We sang, we sang a couple today. Um, you might be singing in your car sometime. Happens. Uh, singing in the shower. Whatever it is. Something happens. Um, and it, it's, just, it's just this cool thing. Sort of the, the rational part of your brain gets connected with the, the touchy feelings of your heart when we sing. Some of you are very rational. Extremely rational. You love books. You love book learning. Um, some of you are the complete opposite. And you don't, I mean, you can read and you, like are, you can think and you're like a, a person who can live life. But you're just like, <gasps> right? You're just very empathetic and just, I feel everything. Girl, are you so happy? I'm so happy for you, right? Some of you are like that. You just have the feels. So something is awesome. Something's awesome that, something awesome that happens when we praise is this. It, our head and our heart are connected. Our head and our heart are connected. The truth of who God is trains and informs our heart. One last fill-in. Here we go. So what truth are you leading your heart with? What truth are you leading your heart with? For Daniel, the critical truth he needed to understand was this. In a, in a culture that seemed like God was gone and had checked out on all of God's people, in that culture, God was still faithful to provide exactly what they needed, exactly when they needed it, to reach a faithless culture, okay? So what truth are you informing your heart with? <clears throat> so yeah, so tonight I've just really, just really simply asked you to do this. Just be faithful. And number two, 
what truth are you informing your heart with? What, what truth are you taking in that's really uh, turning? Uh, I, uh, I listen to Matt Chandler all the time. He always says this. What's, what, what truth are you taking in that's, that's uh, increasing your affection for God? What's giving you, like, in a sense, you, you know, and you've heard this. If you've gone to church for any amount of time, you've heard this. I heard this all the time growing up. It's not about the touchy-feelies, guys. Don't be going for those warm fuzzies. Those camp eyes, those are stupid. Right? You've heard that, maybe, or something. Nobody said it like that, but I just did. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. If you find yourself in a terribly lonely position, like I, I still, I still do, but man, I just remember being, I remember being in college just being like down a lot and feeling very alone and questioning, God, are you in this? Um, some of, some of you doubt in that same way. Some of you doubt in that same way. I would say this, start with God's truth. Start with scripture. You could even start with, um, I'm sure all the songs we sing here are theologically accurate. I would even say this. You want to challenge, do you want to give Waz a challenge? You want to give Brandon a challenge? Say, hey, where does this show up in Scripture? Or go look, look, up, look it up on your own. Start there. Start with Scripture. If you doubt and you're like, I feel so far from God, start with Scripture. The truth will inform your heart. The truth will inform your heart. The other thing I'm going to say is this. Sometimes we forget. We forget when God's been faithful. My wife and I have moved like four times. I don't know. It's 15 times? A thousand times? I don't know. We moved a handful of times. Every single time we move, about two, three months before, I'm, and I'm just this way. I'm always like, babe, 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 babe. We walk in, and I'll say, babe, imagine what it's going to be like when we move. And it'll be everything. It'll be like the craziest thing ever, and it'll be like the, like the most negative thing ever. I'll be like, babe, we're going to go. There's going to be this church, and I'm just going to be working out because I'm awesome. And they're going to see me working out and go, this guy is great. He should be our senior pastor. Really, I think these things. The, and then, and then but it'll be the opposite too. I'll be like, I'm like, oh man, we don't have a place to live. I don't have a job yet. Oh, I've got to figure that out. And here's the deal. Here's the deal. And every, every single time, God has been faithful. He's provided exactly what we needed, exactly when we needed it. Even if it's, it was like, oh man, we are toast. Absolute toast. We're dead. We have to live back in. We have to move back with mom and dad. Oh, God bless America. And, um, but God provides every single time, every single time. So it's like, we start, start over here, like two or three months before the move starts. It's like, oh, what's going to happen? I'm freaking out. Move happens. Two or three months later, oh, life's pretty good. And I never look back over here. I never look back to see that God was faithful the whole time. So I'm going to say this too. If you don't journal already, you should journal. Um, some of you guys aren't writers. Um, I, I don't know what to tell you, but you should do it. All right. She just dropped her paper when I said that. <laughs> I guess writing's not for me. Keep a voice journal, I guess, if you want to do that. But keep a journal. And if for nothing else, if for nothing else, just this. Write down all your stuff for God. Because, um, you know, college is an awesome time where you have a perfectly clear plan for your future. And you know exactly what you're going to be doing in five years. Exactly. So you're going to write down all the crazy that you have going on right now. Because it's like, ah! you know, you're like asking everything, everything. When am I going to move out? Man, as... as <laughs> Am I ever going to get a boyfriend or a girlfriend? Um, man, what job should I do? What should I study in school? Did I teach too many units this semester? Where should I go for lunch? My car's broken down. What's that smell? All sorts of stuff, okay? <laughs> it's probably your engine. Go get your oil changed. All right. Um, anyway, so get a journal. Write all that down. Write all that down. So simply so you can look back. We doubt God that he's faithful. We forget his faithfulness. So write it down. Look back at it. And make sure you are informing your heart with God's truth. Let me leave you with this, I guess. Um, you know, uh, 
I wish I could tell you that when you get out of college, things like even out and that uh, the glorious sort of over the rainbow feeling like, you know, we've been married late years, got a kid on the way, um, had an awesome job. I was like, got a, I was full time. I had benefits. You ever heard of these things? If you don't care about them yet, you will in a few years, okay? But these magical benefits, they're very expensive, extremely expensive. And I had them, and they were mine. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I still have moments. I still have moments. And even seasons. I went to pastor school for a bunch of years. There was months at a time where I just felt so far from God. And I doubted that the God that I had been told about in church growing up was the same God I was learning about at school. And I was like, is that God even real? What's the deal? So for you guys, my encouragement is this. My encouragement is this. In those moments you feel so far from God, look back at his truth. Get informed by his truth. And and also, I'll add this. Surround yourself with people who are going to do that with you. Get on the journey together. I hope hope in your, your small groups, your life groups, that those people are in those groups with you. Be real with them. You know, admit, I feel far from God. I'm kind of doubting. Um, be real with them. Walk that journey together. Because in those moments that you feel far from God and like that God has lost his faith in you, he's totally faithless, and you're going, why should I even keep going to church? Um, you know, why should I even, I feel like God's put this burden on my heart to go on even a short-term missions trip or serve in a, a ministry uh, at church. Why should I do that? My parents think it's a totally idiotic idea. My boyfriend says it's dumb. My girlfriend wants more time, more money from me. I should work more. Don't forget that God is there with you. He is faithful to you. He's faithful to provide what you need when you need it. And he's faithful walking with you the whole time, even when it seems like he's far away. So we're going to actually sing some songs in a a couple minutes here. The the worship band is going to come up. And um, what I want you to do is is one of two things. I would say this. Um, Either really reflect on the lyrics, so that whole concept of inform your heart with the truth. Or if there is something in your life right now um, where you go, man, it feels like God is just, I am far, if he feels far away. I would say write that down um, and, and maybe just dialogue with him in prayer during this worship time. Um, he may have brought a scripture to your mind. Uh, maybe look at that and, and camp on that as you sing. Um, and just let God's truth really in, inform your heart. And it'll, it'll be awesome. Let's pray. Father, thanks for uh, this opportunity to be here at SOMA. Uh, such an honor. Um, I love this church, God. Um, I know you love this church. Uh, you love these students. I ask that there would be people that would uh, stay faithful even when it seems like there's no uh, reason to, um, when it seems like you're far away and that maybe, gosh, man, is, is God real? Has he abandoned me? I, was I sold something that's not true? Um, God, I ask that we would remain faithful. Lord, I also ask that we would uh, hold each other up in this. Uh, Lord, we'd be able to be uh, emotionally honest with one another, Lord, and we would uh, help each other um, move together toward you and just becoming uh, passionate followers.